This is live from my office. Hi, I'm Steve Cochran. I'm glad you're here and always glad to have you listening to this podcast. Uh, It's not exactly the career path I chose, but I'm having fun doing it. And uh, I really appreciate all the great feedback and the fact that so many of you have subscribed. What does that mean exactly? Well, that means wherever you listen to this podcast on whatever platform you're currently listening, hit the subscribe or the follow or the like button. And you will get the episode sent directly to you, so you'll never miss one. And I appreciate that. Don't forget to check out the show notes where you listen as well. And as far as feedback goes, drop me a line anytime at thecochranshow at gmail.com. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. You might uh, end up having your email read on a future episode of Live from My Office. Sponsored, as always, by David Hochberg and Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID or 56 david Dot com. The great Rick Pearson will be on today's Live from My Office, one of the finest journalists in America for many, many, many years. And boy, don't we need him now. He has broken yet another story, a story of um, folks in Springfield to be charitable who may not be very good at their job, uh, to be less than charitable, maybe trying to steal more money from your pockets, uh, or maybe a third option cover up their own terrible leadership in both parties by the way uh that has led to a position where they've got to play hide the money and find some more rick pearson's story uh coming up part of the reason we need great journalists uh is because we always have the rest of it is because uh, fake news is an unbelievably dangerous thing it may be the worst thing that donald trump created outside of uh, his looking the other way when covid killed 600,000 Americans and 3 million plus around the world. The reason is simple. We need great journalists to keep an eye on politicians. Absolute power corrupts. Even a little bit of power corrupts. And you need great reporters covering it at a time where media has less financial backing than ever, less experienced reporters than ever. Well, I mean, it just makes a guy like Rick Pearson stand out more than ever. Even though he never looks for the limelight, he certainly deserves it. And I'm glad to have him on today's episode. Remember, great journalists took down Joseph McCarthy. Great journalists exposed the lies that kept us in Vietnam from David Halberstam to the Pentagon Papers. Great journalists ended Nixon through Watergate. And we need great journalists now. Whether or not Donald Trump ever stands charges for all the horrible things he did is not the case when it comes to great journalists. Journalists are covering great stories and stories that need to be covered every day. Thomas Jefferson said, were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter. We need great journalists. I'd like to tell you, are you getting it on your local TV news? I'm not seeing a lot of it, but I know I get it from Pearson. So I'm glad to have him here, and he will be with us shortly. Speaking of TV news, have you ever seen that quote from Cronkite? Walter Cronkite? Kids, gather around the radio set here that we now call a podcast, and let me tell you about Walter Cronkite. When there were just three channels in the universe, Walter Cronkite ruled America. And arguably, historians mostly agree, got Lyndon Johnson not to run for yet another term because he couldn't get us out of Vietnam, again, partly because of his own ego and bad management. Cronkite said about journalists, freedom of the press is not just important to democracy, it is democracy. And I couldn't agree more. All right, before we get to the guests, let me start with this. Uh, It's a new feature. Oh, I know you're excited, just like I am. It's called The Good, The Bad and the ugly 
where I take one story, I look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. And in this case, it's Bill Barr. Now, make up your own jokes at home. Sure, he's got a weight problem, but yeah, most of us do. Uh, The good news is Bill Barr seems to have come to some sort of senses when it comes to Donald Trump. He got fired by Trump or he resigned. You pick your team uh, last December when he would no longer do Trump's bidding. More on that in a moment. Charlie Sykes writes, Jonathan Carl's new book points out this. Barr has been widely seen as a Trump lackey who politicized the Justice Department, but when the big moment came after the election, he defied the president who expected him to do his bidding. And Trump then asked him to leave, or because he's a coward, asked others to tell him to leave. Uh, Barr didn't want to go along with the big lie then, and he's not going along with it now. In an interview with The Atlantic, he said, my attitude was, it was put up or shut up time. He said, if there was evidence of fraud, I had no motive to suppress it. But my suspicion all the way along was there was nothing there. It was all bullshit. Barr continues, we realized from the beginning it was just bullshit. Noting that the election machines, remember this part of uh, the made-up little fantasy world that Trump lives in, that uh, votes were being taken in Michigan by truck and moved from one area to the other? Well, it turns out that's how they do that there. And because we have individualized voting systems all over the country, that's how they count them. The votes are collected in one central area and counted there. It's all bullshit. So uh, nice work by Charlie Sykes in The Atlantic. And uh, I want to thank Howard Tolman, too, for tipping me to Sykes' piece. Uh, and, and that's the good for Bill Barr. That Bill Barr, again, seems to have come to his senses. But I don't know about you. I'm not exactly ready to let him off the hook, considering the fact that Donald Trump would never have been in a position in all likelihood to do the things he did had it not been for Bill Barr being his personal attorney and not the attorney general he swore to be the attorney for America. So here's some of the bad. He refused to comply with subpoenas for him, and he ordered others that worked under him to do the same. Subpoenas, one of the bedrock foundations, one of the fundamental things in law and the number one lawman in America wouldn't go along. Uh, he oversaw the blocking of at least 20, maybe more, congressional investigations of Trump's administration. Uh, he defended the DOJ stonewalling New York prosecutors in a Trump rape charge and even folded the DOJ in to defend Trump, even though the rape accusations were long before he ever became president. And of course, most famously, he interviewed uh, with the Mueller report held a press conference days before the Mueller report was released. And at press conference, uh, he lied about what was actually in the Mueller report or exaggerated, if you prefer. All of that helped keep Trump in office. Not surprisingly, uh, Mitch the Chin McConnell, uh, he asked Barr to do his dirty work and, and, and go to Trump and tell him to back off on the election fraud nonsense because he said he couldn't do it because they needed Trump in Georgia to help win those Senate seats. How'd that work out? I forget. But this is who Bill Barr is. Bill Barr is Donald Trump's guy until he's not Donald Trump's guy. Many of you will remember when Vice President Harris was Senator Harris and in a Senate hearing had this exchange with the then Attorney General. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, yes or no? 
asked you. Could you repeat that question? I will repeat it. Has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir. Um, The president or anybody else. Seems you'd remember something like that and be able to tell us. Yeah, but I'm I'm trying to grapple with the word suggest. I mean, uh, there have been discussions of of matters out there that... uh, they have not asked me to open an investigation, but... Perhaps they've suggested? I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted? I, I don't know. Inferred? You don't know. Okay. It's almost like Mom walked into the room and caught Bill Barr, and Bill broke the lamp. Uh, Billy? Who broke the lamp? Which lamp? The lamp. The broken lamp. The lamp that's on the floor. Well, it depends on what you mean by lamp. It's, a, it's, it's frustrating, it's annoying, it's embarrassing. But that's who Bill Barr was. So I salute him for finally doing the right thing. But if Trump had won re-election and he were still the Attorney General, do you actually think he would be taking this line? He wouldn't. The good, the bad, and now the ugly. Look, Bill Barr is complicit in not a hot war or a cold war, but a stupid war where this country's been coming apart at the seams, where experts are called liars and truth is flexible. And and liars claim the truth even when most of them know they're lying. I'm looking at you, QAnon. Some of you do. The others are still caught in your little fantasy world. My friend Dennis DeYoung has a great quote about this. He says, people believe the lies they like. Well, that's the people that I would almost put in the innocent category. But you can't be lazy. I know I say it all the time for you regular listeners, but I'm going to say it again. Vote in the primaries. Vote in the primaries. Let's finally move this country forward in ways that it has to be moved forward. We need term limits in Congress like there are term limits for the president. We need term limits for the Supreme Court so it can't be used as the political football it's been used uh, for in the last 50 to 100 years. This is the only way we truly save this country. And I'm not uh, being hyperbolic here. We're in a very scary time. Which brings me back to where I started. I'm glad Rick Pearson's here. He has a story about Illinois property taxes. It'll piss you off. Hey, won't that be fun when we come back here on Live from My Office? If you or a family member is interested in securing a reverse mortgage loan, listen to this invaluable information from Team Huckberg, a trusted local lender. Experienced homeowners at least 62 years old secured 44,666 reverse mortgages in 2020, totaling a record $10.6 billion. See, 2020 was bad, but not everything was bad. Because these financially astute homeowners are taking advantage of the many benefits from reverse mortgages, that's something you can ask David Hochberg about today. Those reverse mortgage benefits include increasing monthly cash flow, all the proceeds from reverse mortgage loans are tax-free, extending the life of retirement funds, making home modifications so it's safer and easier to live the best years of your life, and afford in-home medical and housekeeping pros to assist you With everything you need to do as life becomes more challenging. Enjoy your golden years without the fear of running out of money. If you'd like more information about reverse mortgage loans from local reverse mortgage loan experts, do what we have done, my family, my friends, my listeners. 
We call Team Hochberg, 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com, and tune in to Home Sweet Home Chicago. Hosted by David Hochberg, it's Saturday mornings at 10 on 720 WGN. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 112 This is live from my office, and it is always a pleasure to welcome the best political writer anywhere, anytime, for as long as there's been writing of that nature. It's been my friend Rick Pearson from the Chicago Tribune. Hello, buddy. Hey, Steve. How are you? Well, I'm all right. And, uh, you know, I uh, spend uh, my time live in my office worrying as much about the political world we live in as I did when I was on the radio for all those years. But then I have... You can't get away from it. You, no, you really <laughs> you can't. But then I have these these moments of hope, which I had just the other day when I read your story, um, which is just tremendous reporting. I'm telling you, this is why you're the best. It's great journalism. It's great reporting. And it's a story. <clears throat> is Apparently, I just went through puberty. It's the story <clears throat> of the property tax problem we have in Illinois. Uh, and the cluelessness of uh, the people that run this state and where we're going from here. And, and by that, I mean both parties. So lay out what you reported and tell people where they can find it first, if you don't mind. Well, uh, you, you can find it online at chicagotribune.com. And uh, um, it'll be it'll be in a print edition coming coming to your home somewhere. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but the story basically is about we just had the legislative session uh, in Springfield, and one of the bills that was passed out by the legislature with a single no vote that passed out with widespread support would basically set the stage that everybody in Illinois' property taxes would go up on an annual basis. And this is because it gives local taxing bodies, and let's start with school districts because they're the biggest part of the heated property tax bill. But basically, if property is overassessed by the assessor and the, they, the property owners win a judgment and get a refund, the school district and other taxing bodies uh, can tack the cost of that refund that they gave out onto their next year's levy when you get your property tax bill the following year so this isn't pay me now or pay me later this is pay me now and pay me later well it's it's in essence it's designed that should these local property taxing districts be penalized because of the shoddy work of an assessor that uh over assesses property and when they put their budget together it's based on the whole pie and then it turns out that they're not going to get the whole pie because they have to refund some of that money back because of the error of the assessor. And is that fair? Well, you, know, you could say it's not. But in reality, because of overassessments and assessment errors, that money never existed in the first place right. for these local taxing districts to have. Right. It's, it's phony money. And so now you're giving them access to phony money because it, it doesn't really exist. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, somebody tipped me off to this during the final days of the legislature, and, you know, there were a lot of things going, a lot of plates spinning, um, but I kept an eye on this thing, and uh, people told me, oh, there's going to be new language to it and whatever. Well, they didn't do much to it, and uh, 
as I said, passed with one negative vote in the legislature. And again, it, it, I think the story of this bill passage is also representative of the power of the education community in Springfield, not just the teachers unions, but when you get the teachers unions joined with local school districts and school administrators, and they can go in mass and agree on something, uh, it gets done in Springfield. And of course, as I said, property taxes are the number one source of revenue for local school districts in the state. Part of our long uh, reliance on a 17th century agrarian measure of wealth uh, to pay for our schools instead of having like other states where the state pays the bulk of the cost for public education. Yeah, and this becomes a very expensive Band-Aid that the public doesn't see coming, and both parties cave on this because they don't want to fight with the schools because they know they can't win that battle publicly, I assume? Well, I I, I mean, one, I'm not sure, you know, that they – I'm not sure that they thought anybody would notice until the property tax bills start coming out next year. Thus the internalism. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, I think, is number one. And, 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 and you know, the other thing about this, too, and, and this is more so in Cook County, but I'd say in, in general, uh, this kind of, the people who normally appeal their assessments in a large scale are commercial property owners and developers. Right. Mike Madigan would like to say thanks for that. <laughs> there you go. Hmm. And so when those reductions are made and refunds are issued, they go to the commercial property owners, but then it's up to the residential property owners to make up for the difference. And so like in Cook County, for example, it's the only County in the state where commercial property is assessed at a higher rate than a residential property Mm -hmm. because it's due to have the burden on commercial property. Well, that burden's been slipping over the years, and this adds to the, the, the shifting of that burden uh, onto Joe Blow, residential homeowner. And uh, it, it just, to me, it was just kind of stunning how this went through without people objecting. Right. I mean, I, be- I believe when it, when it was in a, uh, a public hearing, there were 68 witnesses for it and one opposed and all 68 basically were part of the uh, education community. Yeah, a, a couple of things. One is when you appeal property taxes commercially or residentially, you don't find out overnight how you're doing, do you? I mean, it takes a while. No, and that's why it sets the stage for this kind of annual wave uh, because, you know, it takes 18 months to three years for some of these uh, assessment rulings to take place, either through the, the state property tax appeals board or through the courts or even by acts of the assessor. So, you know, this, this keeps kind of like a rolling kind of a, uh, increase of recapture, uh, by local taxing districts every year to recapture the refunds they're supposed to give out. And you, you basically, what I looked at Cook County, you're looking at just in calendar year 2020, they handed out, uh, 176 million dollars in refunds for overassessed property, and so you know, it, and and that's that figure's been roughly about the same for the five years previous to that. So it's an ongoing issue about 
these over assessments so why are we and so course, bad at it why are and, and we means them why are they so bad at it the assessment you know i i hmm. and and this is and this is no criticism of our good friend tom skilling yeah. but I've, I've many times said i'd love to be reincarnated as either a weatherman or a tax assessor because <laughs> close is good enough um, and in fact, the state of Illinois would give bonuses to assessors for being close. Um, I, I, I can't tell you the reason. Uh, I, I, I did try to contact the Cook County assessor Fritz Kage for the story, and his spokesman said that uh, they weren't involved with the bill and that they had nothing to say about it. Uh, even though that they were involved with the bill because they were part of negotiations on other parts of it, so they were definitely aware of what was in it. So, wasn't this uh, all I, supposed I, to be fixed when Joe Barrios went away? Uh, well, uh, there's there's a question to be raised there, uh, and and we were supposed to have all kinds of transparency in right. those kinds of things. Um, so. You know, I, I uh, and 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 I will admit, I, I talked to the sponsor, he's Senator John Dewitt. He's from St. Charles, and basically, he just brought this because he was trying to help the Huntley School District because they kept having problems with bad assessments, and they were forced to give money back all the time because the assessments were so bad. But you know that, that there's no ill will here in 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 that in doing this but at the same time what are the consequential effects to it and so we're not just talking about the Huntley school district we're talking about every school district every mosquito abatement district every library district every park district sure. anybody that levies a property tax in the state you know 7,000 units of local government that have taxing authority and their ability to recapture money that was never really there in the first place. So are we the leaders of the pack when it comes to doing this the poor uh, in the poorest manner? Because, uh, you know, people are running for the exits. There's a reason we are losing legislative seats. Uh, there's a reason we're losing a tax base. Um, you know, property tax, annual property tax increases aren't fixing anything. Is there anybody doing this systematically as poorly as we are? I mean, we always are among the, the, the highest states, one or two with New Jersey when it comes to property taxes. And, and part of the problem is, um, again, it's, it's, it's largely it's school funding in the antiquated way that we fund our schools, which results in great funding disparities among school districts because of your zip code and your property values. And so that Kids in Illinois are denied equal opportunities in education because of where they live, um, and and it's it's been baked into the system so long that it's so hard to unwind that entrenched funding mechanism. I mean, the the state passed a a, a law uh, during Bruce Rauner's term, which uh, is supposed to increase funding for education by three hundred fifty million dollars each year. And, that, and supporters were touting that as a way to ease uh, the, the, the going to the property taxes to fund schools. Um, you know, after 10 years, it'd be three and a half billion dollars. It's a healthy chunk of change, but um, it doesn't come anywhere close to really addressing the whole problem. And, you know, going back in the past, going back 20, 30 years ago, 
uh, Jim Edgar tried to do a property tax swap, and that was uh, for for higher uh, state income tax, and that was killed off by uh, the Senate Republicans at the time who controlled the chamber then, and it was a big source of infighting among Republicans. But um, you know, it it, it 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 really is the way that things are baked into the system, and it's it's just so hard to try to unwind it. And property taxes, of course, everybody just, you know, if, if there's one thing everybody hates, it's property taxes. The trouble is most people don't go to all the work to find out what's behind them. Well, and, and, but, but in defense of most people, the system as it is, in my opinion, is built to make it very difficult and frustrating to find out what fair is for me or you or anybody else to pay. Yeah, well, and, and I agree. And, and I mean, I will say <laughs> the tax bill is at least easier to read than it used to be. Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I will say that much. And and two, uh, Senator DeWitt, the sponsor, said that he hoped that this would put more public scrutiny on assessors to better do their jobs. Now, <laughs> you know, I'd, 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 I'd like to think that, but the assessor doesn't normally get blamed with the, the property tax bill. It's the, it's the county treasurer who issues the property tax bill is the one that gets blamed. Um, so, I mean, this, this to me just looks like a way to uh, cover up for the mistakes that an assessor makes by letting these uh, taxing bodies tax everybody else who, who did nothing wrong. Speaking of a cover-up, I assume this will not be a big signing ceremony for Governor Pritzker? And this one might be well, behind closed doors? Uh, well, I will tell you, part of the reason I wanted to get this story out was because uh, he has not yet received all of the legislation that was passed at the end of May. It's going through a process of, you know, technical cleanup and stuff before it gets to his desk, and then he has a certain time period to act. He hadn't taken any position on this bill before. I checked with his office. And they said that, you know, he, he's looking forward to reviewing the legislation. Well, this is uh, perfect because, you know, me through the years, what have I always said? I want to give people more than just aggravation. I want to give people something they can do to act at the bare minimum. Uh, they could uh, shoot off an email to Pritzker's office. And no, I can't guarantee you he'll see it, read it or his people will. But there's no reason not to bombard them with, I want you to explain to me why this is the way to fix this before you sign this, uh, or anything that encompasses that thought. I mean, that's something people could do, right? Absolutely. Or, or and, and the, the, the governor has the opportunity to rewrite legislation, too, using a mandatory veto. So if you've got a better suggestion on how to deal with this, you can include that in, in your email as well. It's uh, the great Rick Pearson. As always, I will ask you what I asked you through all of our visits in the past. Visits? How old am I? I'm starting to sound like you know you and I. Are, <laughs> you and I are on the porch drinking Country Time Lemonade. Um, but I always, I, I always ask you this: What else should we be watching politically? Uh, is it the city, the state, uh, in D.C.? Obviously, we need to watch all of it. But what's on your radar? Well, I mean, a couple of things. D.C. obviously still kind of in flux is. Uh, the infrastructure package, and, and I'm waiting to see when, if, or how that will ever pass and what it will mean for what Illinois gets as far as infrastructure, but as well as what uh, what are the costs going to be, how is it going to get paid for, and, and who does it hurt. Uh, but obviously, I'm, I'm also watching uh, the city as well, uh, and uh, 
you know, the, the way the mayor has been responding to aldermen in recent days uh, is not a good sign for uh, the way uh, the city can move forward. And, uh, you know, you've got big issues going on about an elected school board for the city of Chicago for the first time, which, you know, that, that creates its own brand new political dynamic for the city. Uh, all kinds of things that are I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on. You know, and uh, you and I hadn't talked since that uh, ridiculous statement she made and, and brief policy she had to only talk to, <laughs> to reporters of color. Um, right, right. You know, I, I assume that's particularly offensive uh, to someone like you who has been nothing but fair and accurate f- throughout your career. But to me, uh, to me, she still doesn't have the right team. Because she comes uh, off far too often as the as the person that goes, uh, you know, uh, don't give me any shit. A very defensive well, posture. Am I am I overreading that? No, and I will tell you, like in the case of the elected school board, which was something she supported as a candidate, and then once got into the general assembly, she adamantly opposed it. Um, after the bill passed. Uh, the the sponsor of it put a procedural hold on it because even the sponsor acknowledged there's going to be some follow-up legislation needed. But when the bill passed and the sponsor did that in a show of good faith to the mayor, um, the mayor responded, well, it will be nice to have a first chance to talk about this. See, that's crap. Of course. (laughs) I mean, this 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 bill has been on the table for three years. I mean, this bill's been on the table before she was even in office. Right. She's the mayor's office is always has input on legislation if it wants to. Doesn't always mean they're going to win. Right. But part of negotiation means, and one of the strong supporters of the elected school board kept asking, "Where is where's the mayor's people?" Where's the mayor's people? Because they agreed they weren't going to move a bill unless it had been a negotiated one. And they kept asking, where's the mayor's people? They didn't come to the table. So that brings brings it back to the team surrounding her, and it doesn't sound like it's gotten better. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, this is is a real job. I mean, it's a big city. A lot of problems. And this is not for... Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's a city of big egos too. Sure, but you have to you have to have smart people. You can't just have lackeys that will tell you, you know, and blow smoke. You got to have you got to have people who know what they're doing. Yeah, people willing to say yes when it's appropriate, but willing to look you in the eye and say no. And it's the hardest thing to tell a boss sometimes, especially in a political job. <laughs> But any, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of me. Uh, you know, I said no to a lot of bosses. <laughs> How'd that work well, out for me? Yeah, but, well, I mean, we can get into a whole discussion of our personal integrity. Okay? Yeah, well, that's and, just and it. No, that fast. is it. That is it. You got to get up in the morning. You got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and go, look. I may have put myself between a rock and a hard place. I've done it before. I'll, I'll probably do it again. Um, right. But you got to be able to stand up for what you truly believe is right. And um, I'll just circle back to what I said. There's nobody better than Rick Pearson coming when it comes to political journalism in this country. Real, authentic, experienced journalism. And you get it in the Chicago Tribune. You know, would it kill you? Get the paper. 
pick up a couple copies. Come on. Uh, but certainly subscribe online. Uh, I'm a subscriber. And uh, search Rick Pearson Property Taxes. That story will pop up. And you'll be able to see what we're talking about in detail. But, you know, shoot off a little email to Governor Pritzker and say, I'm available. Call me. Let's have an explanation to this and just see what his response is, because I'd love to get a wave of that going. Uh, I will be very curious to see what the uh, responses are uh, coming ahead. And I will tell you, I have a feeling many of the individual legislators out there didn't even know what they were voting on with this thing. That's a confidence builder. It's the great Nick Pearson. From your Chicago Tribune. Keep up the good work, buddy. There's very few of you left, and we need you. Thanks, Steve. Always great to talk to you. If you're interested in refinancing your existing home or to lower your interest rate, pay off debt, shorten the term of your loan, or renovate your home, do what I did when I wanted to refi a home equity loan when my sister wanted to finance her home, when my daughter wanted to finance her home. Look, we all call Team Hockberg. Too many of us put it off. They go, this Hockberg guy, man, I'm hearing a lot of things. Steve's always telling me he's a good guy. Look, he's loud. He's direct. But all he wants to do is save you money. And I highly recommend you pick up the phone or get online immediately and check it out as well. With any money situation related to your home, Team Hockberg can, in all likelihood, help. Uh, Team Hockberg is truly a team, by the way. Everything related to your house. He's got a guy. So what are you waiting for? Your procrastination isn't going to help you with your debt issue. Your debt isn't going to magically disappear. And the consultation's absolutely free. Call Team Hochberg. Do it now and see if they can lower your rate or pay off debt to reduce your monthly payment or help you with your credit rating or help you with a student loan. Uh, look, it's all there for Team Hochberg. They've helped me and thousands of listeners Secure low rates and reduce your monthly payments, but they can't help if you don't call 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. That's 855-563-2843, 855-563-2843, or 56david.com. Homeside Financial and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 1124061. <laughs> Back on live from my office. Again, I hope you will drop me a note, a line, uh, thoughts. Uh, you know, feel free, man, to make it funny. I would love to have you help write this little extravaganza, like any of it's written now. Uh, send it to thecochranshow at gmail.com. Normally, we do a charitable outlet on every one of these episodes. I will tell you that you can um, tell me about a charity you'd like me to plug for free. And in all likelihood, I'll do it right here. So send that to thecochranshow at gmail.com with details on the charity. The bare minimum, at least give me their website and why you like them. All right. uh, In the meantime, uh, no charity today other than the charity and the good heart and faith and patriotism you have for this country. When I tell you this, the most charitable thing you could do today is support local journalism. Wherever you're listening, anywhere in the country or around the world. I think we're in eight or nine or 10 or 11 or 12 countries now, right? I'm not exaggerating. People listening in all parts of the world, the live from my office, and uh, wherever you're listening, and you have journalists that are doing the job, that you know they don't just report things you agree with, they don't just do opinions, they talk about what's actually going on in the news, and they tell the tough stories, like Rick Pearson. These are the people we need to support. In the greater Chicago area, if you haven't done it, 
subscribe to the Chicago Tribune or the Chicago Sun-Times or the Daily Herald uh, because there are people there who go to work every day trying to do the right thing. But again, whether it's in New York or California or Florida or Wyoming or Michigan or Minnesota, well, you know the states. Support your local journalists. It is truly the most charitable thing you can do today. Because what I want to do is leave behind a better country than the one I was born into. That looks like a long putt right now. But the executive producer of this show, Ross Cochran, and my grandchildren, Abigail and Isaac, deserve that. So thank you, Ross, for all the great work you do here as always. And thank you for listening. My name is Steve Cochran. We're going to do a little more politics next time with Pat Brady and Eric Edelstein when you rejoin me on Live from My Office. 30 years plus on the airwaves. You have turned your dial to me. Now you're tuned into my podcast. It's Live from My Office, Steve. From Ithaca, New York, to Carolina South. W. Cochran Steve From Minneapolis And then Chicago twice Top rated shows achieved Sit back, relax And now listen to my show When or wherever you are Cause you're on the go A-list celebs with some laughs And great info Live from my office The Steve Cochran Podcast Show Yeah, 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 yeah no better place to be yeah, 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 yeah. Subscribe and like for free yeah, yeah, yeah. Live from my office, Steve So glad you're with me It's live from my office, Thank Steve. you for listening to Live from My Office A service of Monkey Run Productions All rights reserved The podcast is hosted by Steve Cochran And it's mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to MC your event. And occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.